Hello and welcome to a new episode of Dear Ruby, a podcast where we take your personal finance questions and answer them during this time of COVID-19. We've been meeting weekly, Bo and I, uh, to talk about what's happening in the news, what people are doing, what we're feeling about the economy, and just different questions that continue to creep up about how we're going to manage our money, how we're going to pay our mortgage and our rent, how we're going to pay for essentials, and what is this economy going to look like when we get out of this pandemic. I'm joined by my co- with my co-host, Bo Humphreys. Bo, how has your week been and how have you been doing? You know, it's, a, it's been a good week. Uh, just I'm kind of settling into this uh, work from home life. Though everyone's talking about reopening. Um, you know, I've, I've been finding ways to make things more comfortable for me, like uh, grocery delivery uh, is a lot more comfortable. You know, somebody's already going to be going to the grocery store. Might as well just have it be one one or two people in our community who are actually... And then we can give them some money too, right? It's like supporting local delivery people, right? I'm using Instacart. So the good thing about having one that's not like directly connected to a grocery store is that I can get someone to go to Walmart and to go to, well, locally here, Fortino's, which is basically Loblaws. Mm-hmm. And uh, they can go to different places. They even added staples on the list. I guess if I didn't want to use Amazon, right, I could just get a, a emergency cable that I need or camera or whatever. <laughs> I yeah, know, it's yeah. Not like, I guess there are essentials and staples, right? But Absolutely. You know, I mean, uh, if we're all working from home, we need these things to make our home offices run. And you and I, we, we're broadcasters. We work with audio. We work with video. We often do interviews and record interviews. And so these things are essential for us to do our jobs. And then even for people who aren't using it to broadcast, if you um, are doing Zoom meetings with your colleagues and the quality isn't great, it's going to up your game if you can get the right uh, right equipment to look and sound your best when you are on a, on a Zoom call. That's a good point. Yeah. So it's nice to be able to have that be able to deliver it and, and to not, uh, you know, I have, a, I think a lot of people have a love-hate relationship with Amazon. You know, it's it's there, it's it's easy, but it's also, you know, run by, uh, I don't know, like a, a megalomaniac of some kind, depending on how you think about Jeff Bezos, but he's they're making him to be a trillionaire at some point soon. And that just, that never sounds right. <laughs> yeah, no one and, needs you know, a trillion dollars. I, I read once. I read once that everyone should just have. I, everyone should just have. My daughter just came in. Everyone should just have a billion dollars, and that should be the cap. And after that, name a city after you, or name a street after you, and yeah, you know, give right? them a give them a medal and say you are a billionaire. You have beat capitalism. You are the best, and that's it. Because no one needs that kind of money. <laughs> Even a billion dollars you needs win. that kind of money. You win. Yeah, you win the game yeah. of capitalism, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. You can live comfortably. You know, you can get a rocket and go to the moon, you know? So. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So I wanted to start off today's uh, talk about uh, homes and home prices. Uh, CMHC, the Canada Mortgage and Housing Corporation, this week put out some pretty stark warnings. And they're saying that one-fifth of all mortgages could be in arrears if this country's economy hasn't sufficiently recovered. That was one of the things they said. The other thing they said is that we should expect, even with the way things are going now, that home prices could fall anywhere from 9 to 18% 
over the next 12 months. Now, we know that those higher double-digit losses will probably come in places like Toronto and Vancouver, where prices have been um, overly extended, or have been rather have been, have been going up faster than any other place in the country, have been hotter than any other place in the country. And so what goes up must come down kind of an, uh, uh, thinking. Um, so those homes will probably be more greatly affected. Uh, but still, you know, even if you are living in uh, Moncton or in St. John's or anywhere else in Canada, uh, knowing that your home could be worth 9% less this time next year is not a good feeling. It's just uh, the complete opposite to what everyone was thinking for the last 15 years, right? It's like real estate, it's always going to go up. I mean, at least just a little bit, right? Like, okay, maybe it won't go up that uh, 5 or 10 or 20% that everyone has been experiencing lately, but it'll go up some. But no things like this make things go down, right? Like housing is a risk, right? So, you know, if you're going to buy a house, buy the house you want to live in that you can afford. And then if the price, if the price of the house goes up or down, it doesn't matter, right? I mean, for your mortgage, uh, well, in the same respect, if you get a mortgage that is so close to your cash flow that if it the, the interest rate changes by 0.25%, uh, you're going to uh, have a, a problem of paying it uh, down, then maybe you got to, you know, too much house going on there, right? So it's like, you know, going forward, um, maybe this will make people uh, think about that a little bit more, right? More than just, oh, well, I'm going to spend that extra $50,000 or $100,000 because it's an investment, right? Which is, uh, that, that statement never goes right. Yeah. So I always say that a house is a liability, not an investment, because at any point you might need to fix the roof or, you know, mm -hmm. a pipe might burst or so at, at any exactly. time you are, you're, you're looking at a thousand, several thousand dollars expense that you wouldn't have yeah. to if you were a renter or if you didn't own that house, say you just lived there with your parents, I guess that would be the other example. So sure. a lot of people get excited, they get into a home and um, they think, okay, this is going to go up in value. And when I retire, I'll be able to sell it. And that may be the case because over time, homes do trend higher. But if you try to buy on speculation, like I'm going to buy it this year and sell it next year, or I'm going to flip it when it's ready for when it's like a pre-construction, those are the people that get in a lot of trouble. And that's what's been happening for the last five to 10 years is that a lot of people have been borrowing money out of their lines of credits, buying homes, rental homes or rental condos, um, you know, some of them off the plan with this idea that they're going to flip it. And now that, you know, we know rents are going to be coming down because because of what's been happening with COVID-19, uh, we know that, uh, that that people may not be able to pay the same for the same condo they did last year because people are more strapped for cash and so they won't be willing to, to pay those higher prices. And so those people are the ones that are going to find themselves in a position where do I keep this asset over the long term or do I sell it and, and cut my losses? Are, are the, I'm sure there are pre-construction ones right now. There's always pre-construction condos and such, right? Uh, are they yeah, even able to con continue? to build them like well i believe uh, right yeah exactly i believe construction on condos is back in this phase one of reopening i don't know the exact rules on construction and i know that construction was the last thing to get shut down so they were building up until just a little while ago but you're right i mean a lot of people i know who have bought homes off the plan as they call it have already been told that it's going to be months longer than they figured actually my uncle who bought a about a condo he's moving from his home into a condo because they're seniors okay has been told that that date's been pushed five months or something, and now he's sold his house, so he's wondering what he can do, right? Because he's right, set it all, all up so that he can move out of his home. Yeah. So it's, yeah. it's, um, it's a real, wow. and for a senior on a fixed income, that's not a good feeling. No, because, you know, 
like you said, fixed income, you plan based on uh, what you know is coming. Uh, you know, and unless the government uh, collapses, fixed income, if, if it is CPP and OAS or GIS, if that's what you're talking about, but perhaps it's also a private pension too, uh, those things are usually reliable, you know, even in the worst situations, right? So, you know, we, we, ha we have to plan based on what we know, but I, I was also thinking, like, what if um, some kind of pre-construction uh, relies on on cash flow and funding uh, from the companies themselves and also other people having to not default on their pre-construction, uh, um, you know, deals that they've made. Like, there's a lot of factors involved, right? It's like some things, well, I don't know, ha haven't things in Toronto been halted just because of lack of funding to be able to continue to build them? In Isn't some cases, thing? yeah, it is a thing. Uh, sometimes they're not able to sell as much units as they thought they would because they yeah. need those deposits in order for the construction to start. Uh, people are not as willing to put their cash on the line because they've seen some people get burnt, maybe not make the kind of money they thought they would. Um, I'm not a big, uh, as you know, I'm a buy and hold kind of person when it comes to anything, when it comes to investments, when it comes to, uh, you know, whether it's a house or a stock, like the last home we sold, we owned it for 10 years. Yes, there was ebbs and flows, of course. And when we sold it a few months later, a, a similar property sold for a little bit more, but it didn't really matter because for what we bought it for and what we sold it for, we still did, still did well. And it's because we held it for a long time. But if you, if your margins are so thin, that little bit really does matter. It really does matter that 10, 20 extra thousand dollars that you didn't get. It really makes a big difference to, you know, what you were expecting to get on that investment. And, and you weren't trying to time the market or anything. You just decided to move when you wanted to move, right? Exactly. Yeah. And we moved when we found a house we liked. That was that the number one thing. Yeah. And these should be the drivers, right? And, and, and that's why, you know, it shouldn't be, you shouldn't be on such a thin line because if you have an opportunity to go somewhere else or move or, or you, you want to need to divest of that property, you don't want it to be like, oh, if, uh, I need to wait another year for it to catch up because of the pandemic or whatever it is, right? I mean, a pandemic is a different story for us. You might, you might be waiting in this case. But some people are not able to, right? They already made the deal. They already... They have to leave. They have another job in another country or another city or whatever. So, yeah, it's just about not being so stretched so thin if you can. And this is a obviously very high level real estate for, you know, and again, I like to acknowledge privilege to just have real estate at all mm -hmm, is, mm -hmm. is privilege. So to be able to do that, well, maybe just realize that, um, you know, you don't have to take so many risks. You know, if you're in that position, you're lucky enough to have a property. Uh, try to be more reasonable in the future. I don't know. And speaking of property owners, one of the things that uh, CMHC is saying is that a lot of people are in a better position right now because they've deferred their mortgages, right? So it sure. really, we're going to see um, the real effects of what's happening in the real estate market when those deferrals end in six months time. So I, mean, I think we're three months, uh, I think they'll end in three months from now because it's been three months since the pandemic started. So if you took that deferral day one in three months from now, because it's been three months since the pandemic started... Has it been three months or been two months? I Has it? I, uh, I guess two. Oh. Yeah. So um, basically <laughs> fall time when all those yeah. deferrals end up, you know, whether they're going to allow people to continue to do that, which seems unlikely because it's costing thousands of dollars. I mean, we did the math before, you know, a, a typical mortgage, uh, which is around, I believe, 300 and some odd thousand dollars. And with, okay. a, with a payment of about $1,500 a month, if you defer it, it's actually costing you at 3%. It's still costing you about 1200 bucks a month. 
mm. in extra interest costs. So it's not a cheap way to manage your money, but for some people, cash flow is the thing. They need to find extra money to buy the things they need in their life, and this is the only way that they can do it. They're willing to pay for it at the other end because it's worth it for them. Um, I wanted to move on to Bank of Canada because they put out their financial systems review, which is as boring as it sounds normally. Uh, <laughs> I couldn't so, get past the first paragraph. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, okay. So to put it into a nutshell, it's a it's a look ahead to 365 days of what they expect the economy to be doing. And so obviously economists look at it, people who work in finance look at it, and they, you know, they think, of, they look at what the Bank of Canada is sort of projecting. But this year, they did okay. not take that long-term view. They took a shorter-term view and really just looked at COVID-19 and the effects of it. I see. And, yeah, and that's okay. what makes it interesting. And one of the things they said, which I found the most interesting, is that they say without all the federal supports, so the CERB, the wage subsidies, yeah. the extra yeah. top-up on the Canada Child Benefit, all these other monies that have been put into people's pockets, and quite quickly, in, in, in most cases, um, is the reason the economy, the floor hasn't come out from under the economy because people have been able to buy their everyday things. They haven't gone into desperation mode and they've been able to shelter at home. I know it's an American saying, but they've been able to stay home and um, socially distance <laughs> from their families and their loved ones and not um, not feel like they have to go out in the world and find a job to, to pay their, to pay their um, everyday costs. So uh, again, yeah. you know, really kind of focusing on the fact that when these things end, including that deferral, Things might be different. And so they're predicting by next time this year that right now there's about – before the pandemic, there was 11,400 and change mortgages that were in default. That means people who have not made a mortgage payment for three months or three months overdue, they're okay. predicting that number will quadruple by this time next year. So that is going to put pressure on home prices too because – if you're selling your home in haste, you're most likely not sitting around for the best price. You're probably just taking whatever you can get. So if we if we sort of examine what it means if somebody defaults on their mortgage, right? So they they can't pay. So they're first of all they're out of housing. So they're probably going to have to uh, they give up their house and the, then the bank uh, takes it on. Well, how does it work in Canada? Do you know? Does it does it go right to the bank or what do they have to do? Yeah, the bank will sell it. Um, I, I'm not sure what the exact terminology is, but the. Yeah. If you and they will give you the proceeds minus their own costs. So say you owe still two hundred thousand dollars on your mortgage, they will sell your home, they will keep yep. their two hundred thousand and they will give you the rest. And obviously there'll be fees and penalties on top of that. So a good idea is not to uh, go into arrears on your mortgage and try to pay it. And mortgage, another thing that's interesting, and you'll know this as an insolvency guy, is that mortgage is usually the last thing that people skip because you don't want yeah. to uh, be in a position where you lose your home, right? Because that's your family and that's your that's your comfort. That's all those important things that we we need as a society to feel good about ourselves. You're more likely to default on your car loan, your credit card, you know, not make your line of credit uh, interest payments. Those things are more likely to happen than you not pay your mortgage. So when someone isn't paying their mortgage, there is a lot of other stuff going on behind them that yeah. also needs to be also needs to be um, addressed. Yeah, there's there's uh, there's bigger issues there, and yeah, may, maybe the right thing is for them to not have a mortgage anymore. You know, it's sometimes the the best thing to do is just uh, recognize when you're in over your head a little bit, and yeah. and to then to do something about it to to change your life a bit to adjust for that, right? Because um, you know, it's probably not the case always, but a lot of people who do default on their mortgage maybe shouldn't have had a mortgage in the first place. 
you know, the, there's there's a, a, a number of people who uh, for whom that's true. And of course, back in 2008, 2009, there was a lot of people in that situation because mm -hmm. they relaxed the rules. And I was just noticing that uh, the CMHC is, is talking about 10% uh, uh, down payments being the minimum. Do you know if that's going to be um, um, for sure, like going forward? So that they are suggesting, because right now you can buy a home with 5% down and CMHC yeah. will insure the rest of your mortgage. So if you buy a $500,000 house, you can buy that for, what's 5% of $500,000? You can buy that yeah, for $25,000, $25, right? Yeah. That's not a lot of money on a half a million dollar house. So now what they're saying is they want people to have more equity in their home. So at least 50, uh, at least 10%, which in the case of a $500,000 house would be $50,000, um, it makes people... Uh, I mean, this might be a psychology thing, but I think when you have more money in the game, you make better decisions. If you yep. know that, you know, it's more it money applies going across in. the board. Yeah. It if you're does. buying an online course or, or going to school, if you pay money for that thing, you're going to do it. Right. Yeah. If you take it more if seriously. If it's free, yeah, you take it seriously. Exactly. Yeah. And even if like, you know, debt is still something that has to be paid back, but we have a different relationship to debt. I remember I was watching this reality show. I'm not going to mention what it was, but it was so profound what she said. Like she now is like you know, a millionaire many times over and they were at a casino and her friend said, why don't you just uh, pay another 50 bucks? She's like, you know, I, I don't want to. She goes like, you're a millionaire. Why don't you play it? She goes, yeah, when you have the money, it's harder to spend it. She goes, Absolutely. when I was in debt, I, it was easy for me to go and spend money because it's just more debt. Who cares? But this is $50 actually coming out of my bank account. It's like debiting out of my bank account. So I thought that was a, I mean, that, that really speaks to, I think what the what, what CMHC is suggesting is if you've got more money in the game, you'll make a more serious purchase. You'll be more serious about paying your mortgage payments. You'll be more careful about your ability to pay for the long term. And you're more more likely to stay in that house, too. Yeah, I, I have this with uh, our next vehicle, right? Because we're we're uh, we're going to run the 2010 Mazda 3 into the ground, um, okay. uh, you know, as far as it goes. But at, at, a, at a certain point, we feel it's not safe uh, for Henry or for any other reason. We're going to need a, a new car, right? And by new car, I mean probably used car. Um, but, uh, you know, and I have enough money to buy a decent used car with cash. Uh, but I'm still debating, right? Because I, what, do I want to uh, let go of my cash? Or do I want, is, is financing okay? Like, I hate debt. I don't want to finance anything. But I'm still uh, considering that, right? But mm -hmm. I can just finance, find some myself, right? It's like, when you think about it, like, why are we more okay to go into debt and say, hey, somebody else's money, why don't I just use my own money to find, I could be my own bank, right? And, mm -hmm. but, but we're so disconnected from that as like, oh, well, that doesn't seem right because I need that cash for, maybe if I do need it for other things, it makes sense. But, um, you know, the, it's not as clear cut as you got the cash, you're going to spend it, right? It's harder to part with it, as you just said. And, mm -hmm. and that's, you know, I'm finding myself uh, wondering um, at that point when we do, will I be okay with parting with ten or fifteen thousand uh, dollars for a vehicle, you know it's going to be an asset. Maybe I'll be able to sell it for half of that. Who knows? But mm -hmm. definitely not buying a used car, a new car, a used car for sure, because yeah. new cars depreciate immediately. Right. Exactly. Um, and um, the one thing, it's the same idea when you take cash out of your wallet, like and as opposed to paying with a credit card, like you just have a different emotion to attach, attached to that. So mm -hmm. I know there's been studies done before where people are given, you know, X amount of cash and then given a credit card and who's spent and watching that spending. It is easier to spend when you're just tapping your plastic 
than it is to actually take cash out of your wallet and um, and know that you're parting. It's actually going to somebody and you're getting something in in return. So it makes you think about what is that a, is it that I'm getting in return and is it worth it that X amount of money that I'm giving this person for Absolutely. this item. So I mean those are two like pretty similar kind of uh, attitudes both Bank of Canada and CMHC, you know, warning Canadians that we are headed into a pretty dire situation when it comes to debt levels. You know, the best advice that I can give people is that if you have a mortgage and you are still working, you have to start making some lump sum payments because, you know, millions of people are not working right now, uh, but millions of people are still working. Like the headlines seem to be dominated by the unemployment rate, which of course is terrible, but there's still a lot of people that are able to do their job from home. And if that's the case for you, you're probably saving money. You're probably not spending money on commuting. You're saving money because you're staying at home. You're not spending as much money on, on entertainment. You're not making any summer plans. Take all that extra cash, put a lump sum payment on your mortgage. It will go straight on your principal. And then if you were to lose your job or your hours were to be reduced, you can easily manage, you can much more easily manage that mortgage uh, payment than if you, if you had, um, if you had not done those lump sum payments, because then you can call your bank and you can ask for different things. But when the mortgage is lower, it's easier to, it's easier to manage those payments. You can have, you know, you can have them stretched out again uh, to, you know, if it's, if you've got 15 years left on your mortgage, you can have it stretched out again to 25 years. That may help you for the short term, uh, but a lower mortgage is going to mean those payments are that much lower. It's good to have options, right? As many as, as many as you can. And yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's it's tough. Yeah. I mean, stockpile as much cash as you can, but if you've got debt, pay pay it off. Because um, in a recession, debt is the one thing that gets you more than anything else. Because uh, if you can't, if you lose your job and you can't pay your debts, then they start to balloon. Then there's fees and penalties and interest and all of that. So debt is what really drags you down in a recession. It's and then if you do it, it all compounds. And then if you don't have the ability to go out and get a job because it's a recession or not get a job that the kind you had, that just makes things worse. Absolutely. Speaking of worse... Um, <laughs> There's a lot of people who are in uh, uh, Trinity Bellwoods uh, uh, the past couple of days. Yeah, uh, yesterday in particular, like we're recording this on a Sunday. So this is, we're talking about Saturday, uh, May 23rd, Trinity Bellwoods. A lot of people are saying it looked like a nightclub. There were so many people there. I haven't been to Trinity Bellwoods. 10,000 people. Yeah, 10,000 COVID idiots. Is that how you say it? COVID idiots? COVID idiots. COVID idiots. You know, yeah. I, I'm hoping not all of them are COVID idiots, but from the f- photos that I've seen and the uh, unfortunate clip uh, that CTV uh, posted, um, yeah. the, I mean, those people were not socially distancing. You said you, you haven't been to Trinity at Bellwoods in a while? I haven't been in years. I mean, I never really lived in the West End. I was more of an East End girl when I was like in my 20s and 30s. So we often went to the parks that were kind of on that side, like Riverdale and that those those kind of yeah. places. And that park that's right beside the Don Valley Parkway, we went there a lot. Um, but yeah, I know Trinity Bellwoods is like a hip place to be, especially sure. now that alcohol is allowed to be consumed in parks. So uh, I saw a lot of LCBO bags. I saw a lot of people, obviously, very cozy, very close. Nobody was sitting six feet apart no i i measured it this morning the uh you know sometimes you forget what's six feet what's two meters they're they're almost exactly the same but they're not exactly mm-hmm. the same but they uh, uh no chance no chance they they were showing photos of i think it was golden gate park in san francisco and how they, they put big 
white circles, probably with the same sort of uh, chalk that they used to do the lines for like soccer fields and stuff like that. They mm-hmm. did these circles and they were socially distanced. And yeah, that's actually a great idea. And even if it was a couple of people sitting together in the circle, maybe they lived together, who knows, but that was not happening. The circles were too close to each other. And then of course the people in the circles at Trinity Bellwoods were not two meters apart. I, I, I just, what's going to happen out of this? Well, here's the thing. As the weather gets warmer, and I think uh, people have been sharing this one phrase, I don't know who wrote it, that, you know, we're tired of social distancing. We're tired of not seeing our families, but the virus is not tired. Yeah, I And even myself, you know, I'm finding myself that I'm trying to push my own limits, like seeing people socially distance in my backyard. And every time I do that, the next time I feel like, ooh, maybe they could come and hang out and we could have a barbecue as long as... Or like not a barbecue, but maybe we could have a lunch as long as they bring their own food, right? And like, yep. so even as a human, like we're all human beings. We all want to see our family. We all want to like feel like we're having a good time. Like there's nothing wrong with that. But um, I think that this also like if people are going to watch this and say, if they're doing it, why can't I, right? I so know. this is more an encourage. I mean, this is 10,000 people. This is ridiculous. But um, even people on Facebook who've been asking questions like, oh, should I go see my mom this weekend and we can have a socially distanced whatever in the backyard? And it's fine. I actually think it's better if you just quietly go see them and come back. Stop asking people questions because then everybody gets the same idea. And then eventually people are just going to stop socially distancing. So if you're going to do it, go quietly, meet with the people you need to meet with at a two meter distance and come home. Stop asking questions on Facebook. Stop getting other people's opinion because everyone's going to have an opinion about what you should or shouldn't be doing and stop inspiring others because you may be good at keeping that distance. But some people reading that might think, oh, she's doing it or he's doing it. I want to do it too. And they may not follow the same rules. And so that's and that, what I think is that's really what they're frustrating. Saying. Yeah, they're, yeah, they're saying like, okay, so maybe you're going to go to Trinity and, and sit there and be socially distanced, but you're exposing yourself to people who do not have the same rules as you, right? And yeah, sure, a lot of people are arguing, okay, yeah, you, you, you can't get it by just passing by somebody, of course, and that's, that's, that's true, right? Being in the park with all those people, but it's about, uh, like you said, the alcohol and, and, and getting closer, and then that clip of the, 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 the girl getting kissed by that guy, which still yeah, gives, it gives me the, the willies right mm-hmm. now, just like in a normal day it would, and then uh, all the virus being transmitted between them. And uh, he, the guy admitted he wasn't even thinking about it, right? Well, he wasn't like sure. He n- nobody should be kissing someone without their consent in the first place. But that's, mm-hmm. we can talk about that at another time. Um, but like the fact that he didn't even think about whether he might be asymptomatic, might be transmitting to her, she might be asymptomatic. They don't know each other until half an hour before. This is the kind of attitude we're talking about, where people are like, "Oh, what's the problem? What's the problem?" That that's the problem. Right yeah, that, exactly. That And then all of the things that you're doing, those little things that you think are not affecting everyone is cumulative. And in the end, you get somebody kissing a stranger on camera uh, for the world to see. And then it just it feels like that's like we haven't we hit rock bottom if that's what's happening. And if you if oh, you man. if you read the tweets um, like Dr. Eileen Davila, you know, talking about how selfish and dangerous this behavior is. Tori saying the same thing. I mean, just so much disappointment. Uh, many of the infectious uh, disease specialists. 
uh, saying that, you know, how this is like, this is just, we're never going to get around this if we act like this, right? And w- summer has just begun. This was literally one of the oh, first warm well, yeah. days of the year. Right at the beginning. That clip of, of that the, the, the doctor, um, he recorded, have you seen that? A short clip just begging people to stop yes, doing this. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's just so uh, like heart wrenching. The doctor who comes on CTV, I think. Yeah. Yes. Uh, yeah. yeah. And and uh, he was just so you could see like oh um well because it's uh um uh, uh, like Muslim uh, holidays uh, yeah, right now or not yeah. Uh, like yeah right or, or like uh they're not are they called holidays uh, that's uh, like a, a, yeah, a word yeah. that maybe I shouldn't use uh, like but a religious day right mm-hmm. um and and he wanted to be home with his family and he wasn't mm-hmm. and so you could see like all the emotions for him like i'm not home with my family and i want to be i'm watching this like with horror because i'm treating covid patients like mm-hmm. that's the reality people mm-hmm. are living not in reality i feel yeah and you know my husband and i had this conversation where you know we not that we question whether this is a hoax or not. That's not what it is. But like, we're not really aware of how how bad things are because it hasn't affected us immediately, yeah. like in an immediate way. Like nobody I know has gotten COVID to the point where we were worried about them. The Personally, few people, right? the few people I know are like work colleagues. So yeah, you you obviously read their stories and you feel bad, but and all they all recovered. So obviously nothing terrible happened. The people who have died, they're often people that other people know. So it's not really, it doesn't really affect you. So until it happens to you, I think it's really hard for people to wrap their brains around how serious this is. And, you know, all these people, I mean, I'm sure that there are people in this crowd who have had family affected by COVID-19. There can't be 10,000 people in a park and not one person can say that, they haven't had somebody in their family get sick or die from COVID-19. And that I think that's what makes me more sad is that many people are well aware and they're still breaking the rules. Yeah, I mean, in the States, like 100,000 people, um, right? Uh, is that the number now, 100,000 people? It was in New York Times. It, I think it, it's, it's, it's coming out today. Yeah, they, yeah, they, published, they published 1% of the names, right? That's what they're dead on the cover of the New York Times. Um, and uh, of the people who died. And, it, of course, it fills up the whole page, uh, double page. But, like, they're trying to give people perspective. But you're right. It's the, one of these things where we don't see it. And it's just, it, I don't know, the the doctor's uh, name, Abdu uh, Sharkawi? That's right, yeah. Yeah, yeah Dr. Yeah. Abu Sharkawi, yeah. Yeah, I, go look for that video. If you're looking for any reason to uh, not go somewhere, do that, right? Um, so, yeah. Um, I'm wondering where the police were because a lot of people in the beginning were charged for very mundane things. Someone here in Oakville was charged because he allowed his kids to rollerblade in an empty community center. Yes, I remember that. Right. And that now this guy has a right to go to the police and say, you have to, you have to take this ticket away because if you're not charging these, I know it's a different city, but the point is, is that if they can get away with that and I can't even go rollerblading with the people in my family, and maybe, you know, when you're teaching your kids how to bike or rollerblade, you want to be in a kind of enclosed space so that the cars don't affect them. That's probably what he was doing, right? Uh, mm. So that they're safer. And Or the guy who was doing chin-ups at the some park got an $800 ticket. Like a lot of people got a lot of tickets for really, really um, – simple things. I know someone who got a ticket because they were sitting in their car and they couldn't explain where they were going. I don't know the whole story behind that, but it sounded like they thought that she was kind of going to socialize somewhere and they gave her a ticket. I mean, whether that's true or not, the point is, is that every single person in this park should have gotten a ticket. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. 
Well, and if you can identify the people in the photos, why can't police charge them after the fact? There's a few photos where their faces are completely obvious who they are. It's not hard to find people. So do that. Charge them so that they don't go back. Well, you know, all we can do is just keep talking about this every week, right? Yeah, yeah. And hope, hopefully uh, people get the message and, you know, hopefully this helps people make the right decisions for them, right? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I wanted to end on a on a note where I think uh, CERB, a lot of people have been talking about it as being like the government handing out candy to the, to Canadians, not really uh, wow. checking what's happening. And I, I know reading the Bank of Canada statement, reading the CMHC statement, reading other economists uh, reports, it is clear that without CERB, we would be in financial ruin by now. Like more people would have defaulted on their mortgages, more people would have been unable to pay rent. So the CERB and all the other supports have literally saved the Canadian economy. And I think that people need to recognize that the measure that have been take measures that have been taken to keep us afloat until things until we get out of this pandemic. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, we need, sometimes we need help. Right. Yeah. So, uh, Bo, another great program. Thanks so much for uh, taking the time to talk to me and uh, taking the time to uh, well, we talk every week, but you know what I mean? Taking the time to listen to us. If you are a listener, if you have any questions, you can uh, reach us at dearruby.com, D-E-A-R-R-U-B-I.com. Uh, you can record a message and send it in, or you can email us a, a question and send it in. We will try to uh, answer it on the podcast. Uh, we might play it if, it if you do send it an audio recording. Um, and if you have any uh, comments on what we've been talking about today, especially the COVIDians, please, we want to hear what you think about what's been going on. Uh, until next week, thanks so much for listening and goodbye. Goodbye. Here it is. Okay, here's the Trinity Bell with CTV interview in case you haven't seen it. It's only 15 Yeah, that, that's the one. Yeah. yeah. Oh, oh, my God. Oh, my God. It's terrible. A spontaneous kiss from someone that she doesn't know. <laughs> oh, my God. No, I met him for a second with my dog. That's insane. Are you all right? Yeah, he's so hot. <laughs> oh, my God. She's just talking about how hot he is. I know. Well, you'll see him after. Oh my God, she's yelling, text me. Make sure we get COVID together. Seriously. Like that's happening in front of a camera. Imagine what's happening just without, you know, I mean, obviously he's doing it a little bit for show, but people have those ideas, right? So I think that well, that's it's, what they're saying. They're yeah. saying we are, we're only just seeing all the Trinity Bellwood stuff. Yeah. Because it's out in the open, but everybody's apparently been doing this yeah. already. Yeah. And Every, then we wonder like, why cases are, are continuing to grow. Right? Yeah. Because everyone's doing this constantly. I've got so much data. You know what I think is funny is that um, uh, the cell phone companies are saying like, oh, if you roam, it's free now. I'm like, but no one's roaming anywhere. Like, of course it's free. Like, and then also, if you're going to give us a break, give us a break on our data because we're all using our Wi-Fi. Like, we're not using any data at all. Right? Yeah. <laughs> so. Right? Like, like, oh, you have more data now. And, and uh, yeah, that's the only thing they're able to do, right? Because it's so cheap for them. But they're yeah. not actually um, able to cut any money. People need money right yeah. now.